0: This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobbled together when you're curled upon the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors.
1: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
2: Hi, I'm Dory Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families.
0: please be aware that today's episode contains some swearing. Hello, friends. Welcome to Comfort Eating. You find me yet again in my kitchen. I'm fighting off the feeling that these grey clouds hanging low in the sky are giving me via a little snack. Today, I'm having something very, very naughty. I'm having... Well, I've got raw kimchi, which is actually quite sophisticated. But are you meant to eat it with baby bells? I think I've invented something there. Mmm. My guest today is Jade Adams, a comedian described by Dawn French as the third funniest woman in the world. Now, that's putting me, I assume, in fourth place. Her route to stardom began at Glastonbury, where she was a pretend priestess overseeing fake weddings in an inflatable church. From there, her singing talents propelled her into the cabaret circuit. For years, she was an Adele impersonator on the drag scene. These days, she's a stand-up comedian, a TV presenter, and most recently of all, you'll have seen her. Strutting her stuff on Strictly Come Dancing. Jade's TV shows such as Crazy Delicious and Snack Masters focus on fabulous food. But I'm wondering what she's eating on her days off when she's kicking back in her gym jams. <sighs> Let's just have a little last mouthful before she gets here. Nothing worse than a rumbling tummy on tape. I do this for you. I shouldn't really leave bits of cheese in the kimchi. My bloke Charlie will go mad. Got a kick?
2: (laughs) Jade Adams, welcome to Comfort Eating. Thank you for having me, Grace Dent. I am absolutely thrilled because I love Grace Dent and I love comfort eating.
0: You're an absolute vision across the table in leopard skin, which I always say is a neutral
2: Yeah. You look amazing. It is a neutral, isn't it? It is a neutral. It's really great with beige. I'm into wearing a lot of beige and camel colours at the moment. (sighs) Sophisticated. That's like, I always
0: think like working class women like us think that like camel and creams are sophisticated. Because it means that you can go out and you're the kind of woman that doesn't get mucky.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been wearing white because I sort of... I went through a breakup and then I was very first wives club for about a week and just wore white and um, walked around singing. You don't own me. (laughs) And then I and then I enjoyed the reaction people had for me, had towards me whilst I was wearing white. So I um, just kept on doing it. But it does give because everyone said the same thing to me whenever they see me eat whilst I was wearing it, which is, oh, you're not a messy eater. And I was like, no, I'm just very aware that I'm wearing white. Yeah, it's the sign of a real woman is somebody that can wear a white cashmere jacket for
0: more than four hours without getting jam on the elbow. (laughs) Jam on the elbow must "Mm." be the
2: name of your autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) Jam on the elbow.
0: Jade. Yes, Grace. Every week, my guest shares with me their ultimate comfort snack. A meal that brings them joy in the dark days. It is a warming hug in a mug or a plate or a bowl. Jade Adams, what have you brought for me today? I've no idea what is under this foil.
2: I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know how. I I don't even know how I'm admitting this.
0: (laughs) That is the best. That's the best thing. Are you embarrassed? Do you feel embarrassed?
2: I love this. I love it so much. I'm opening it up. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Right, oh God, it's so good.
0: The, nobody has ever asked for anything like this before. It's it's
2: chips. These are homemade chips, aren't they? But, oh, they're very specific homemade chips. They are oh. coated in a vegetable OXO cube. How delicious is that? Yeah, but. but what you've got is homemade chips. Spam? Yeah, not even fried. <laughs> And you've got a fried egg, but the fried egg is really crispy. <laughs> and you've got, you've got,
0: so basically you've got Spam, egg, chips, and what you're doing right now is putting a load of ketchup onto your plate. Yeah. A load of mayo on top of it, and then you're swirling it. Yeah. I didn't know you were a Michelin star chef.
2: <laughs> what am I from for? Oh, yeah. Because then I can get some Spam. When do you eat this? When I get home um, from work, when I used to have a proper job, and um I often had I did nightlife sort of jobs like bars and things. I'd get home and I'd be really hungry, and this is what I would make. I've had spam in fritters. Has no one ever bought spam on?
0: No, never. First shop.
2: What is it about spam? Salty, porky. Mm. Mm. Like I love pork. Like yeah, I think I could be led to do a murder if someone led me there with a with pork. What if they just like made a like a trail? What would it be? Roast pork. So
0: when you eat spam, is it that feeling of pork that you love? It's like, yeah. it's, like it's portable pork. <laughs> <laughs> it's portable pork.
2: I'm going to say it again because she's got a mouthful of spam. <laughs> Would you say spam is portable pork? Yes, I would. <laughs> say the world comes crashing down, there's a war, right? Yeah. I'm running to the shop and getting the entire spam shelf because you she can do so much with it. You were born
0: in Bristol in the southwest of England. You grew up with your mum and your dad and your older siblings, Kane and Jenna. Yeah. What was home life like?
2: normal, I think. I was the youngest. So by the time parenting got around to me, they just were like, yeah, go on. But my sister used to get dead jealous because they were quite, I think they sometimes were quite tough on her. Like she got caught smoking. I know she had to like empty the dishwasher for like two months. <laughs> Whereas when they found out I smoked, they were like, oh, all right then. <laughs> Do you want a light? <laughs> what kind of people were your mum and dad? My mum uh is a working class woman who worked in Asda for thirty-eight years. She has a very specific view on life because mm-hmm. of the where she's worked. Yeah.
0: What's your mother's ethos and life? What what's her belief?
2: You say she's got strong beliefs. What 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 sum it up? Don't be full of shit. Um don't be a hypocrite. Don't contradict yourself. Don't lie. She wouldn't handle showbiz like I I can. Mm. You know, showbiz is a lot of sort of, hey best friend, we're gonna yeah. be best friends forever. Yeah.
0: So if your mother I mean, your mother's working at Asda, did your mother have access? You know, the reduced sticker gun. Whoops. Oh, whoops. She was the whoopsin' lady. No. Four years, yeah. Oh, my God. I am in the presence of royalty. (laughs) She had the whoops gun, babes. Your mother had access to the whoops gun? (laughs) Yes. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) Oh, my God. Your house must have been full of, like, reduced price Thomas the Tank Engine cake. Pork. Was three pounds twenty nine. It's now sixty five pence. It was your freezer just full of stuff that like brought home and like yeah. Oh, my Our God. freezer was the most full
2: thing. Our yeah. fridge wasn't.
0: When you were a little girl, like what what are you eating then? What like you're you're all sitting down on a night and then your mother has gone to the freezer the night the night before she's defrosted something. What she's throwing
2: down for? I think we had about three roast dinners a week. Or various forms of a roast dinner. We'd have a chicken chasseur. Yeah. We'd have, um, I mean, there were Kievs, chicken Kievs. You know, a Kiev is a very
0: underrated thing. I think so. You have to, it has to be so garlicky that you can still
2: taste it at about lunchtime the next day. Yeah, I I want to be burping that shit up for about another day afterwards. And going, oh, Kiev. What's your earliest childhood food memory? My mum... Uh, turned up so i went to nursery uh, redcliffe nursery by my secondary school actually and i was three she says i was three when this happened so this is the earliest memory i have she turns up and she's doing egg fried rice for all the kids on world food day oh. <laughs> can, my, she cook, how, can she cook it yeah my brother's have chinese Right. So she um, worked in his dad's kitchen yeah. for uh, whilst they were together. Yeah. And she learned all about cooking Chinese food. So we grew up eating Chinese food every now and again, maybe once a week. So your mum can not only make fried rice,
0: she can cook proper Chinese food. Yeah. I love you. I love the thought of your mother turning up at play school with uh, fried <laughs> rice. Do you know what I loved that I heard about you? Gone. Is- your Auntie Julie ran a freestyle disco dancing club on the outskirts of Bristol and you and your sister would compete. Of course, this is something that set you up for later in your career, which we'll come to. But first, I need you to paint me a picture of those dancing days and the competitions that you were in. What did it involve? And are we talking overbearing dance mums and
2: bejeweled leotards? We used to rehearse in Hembury Methodist Church. Yeah. Had parquet flooring that was really old, so we used to get spinters and we weren't allowed to wear shoes. We rehearsed from Wednesday to Saturday. What are you dancing to? What? Techno. <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> it's that kind of... Competitive.
0: <gasps> Is it like... It's like really like high
2: kicks, that yeah, type of... run, 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 spin, 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 high kick, high kick, back bend. Really intense. What like, are you wearing? What are you wearing? A skin-tight lycra. Swarovski crystals. So you and your sister are wearing matching outfits? Yeah, sometimes. So if you do pairs or rock and roll, you do that with a partner. And I did it with my sister and Anna. We wore matchy-matchy costumes. I love how important dancing like this is in working-class
0: communities because... Like, I'm a bit older than you, but we I, I did dancing. Like, this whole... You get into this whole world where you're always getting those little paper certificates, aren't you? Oh, yeah, we had them. Taking them home, going, like, best twirling and kicking or whatever. Like, it's from some kind of
2: well, let's hokey be honest.
0: board that has
2: just been invented. <laughs> it was, It was either dance class or teen pregnancy. I, 100%.
0: <laughs> what does this stage of your life tell us about you
2: what was 12 year old you like I was obsessed with the song um, I Love You Always Forever by Donna Lewis I was in an on and again off again relationship with Tom Frost I was. it was just before I started making friends with the wrong type of girls at school yes. I ended up getting stabbed on the bus stop by a compass oh, by yes. one of the girls in my year because they um, had lit the school toilets on fire and they blamed me. And my parents came in and my mum grabbed me by the shoulders and she said, now swear to me, look at me in the eye and swear to me that you didn't start that fire. Mm. I was like, I promise you, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, mummy. And so she had to go in and fight my corner, even though all of them had turned against... There was four other girls there and they'd all decided to say it was me. So Mum had to go in, and she was like, "Now our daughter is many things, but an arsonist she is not." And they all got into mad trouble, even though because they were clearly all lying. And then I had no mates, and um, yeah, they st- one of them stabbed me in the leg with a compass on the bus stop. Stabbing each other with compasses—very big in working-class girls. I know, I know it was, that was our weapon of choice. You're not going to go at someone with like a protractor, are no, you? No,
0: no. You it's like one of those shutterproof rulers. You can't do anything, can you?
2: Thwack. You've described a happy, family oriented working-class upbringing. I say happy... Like it wasn't like, you know, famous five happy. Mm. We're talking like working class upbringing. So everyone's sort of quite real and real, yes. real stuff's going on. We've got deaths in the family. We've got mum going through breast cancer. Mm. we got Jenna before she um, died later on. My sister died later on in, in her life. Before all of that happened, she was like always in and out of hospital for something. Yeah. She had bronchial asthma. Yeah. So every time she got a cold, she'd be really sick. Her knees would play up. There was, you know, my brother being raised by my dad. There, You know, like it wasn't, there was difficult stuff going on, but... I never know how to answer when
0: people say, did you have a happy childhood? Because some days I say yes, and other days I think, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> and it's because, because of that, the working class way that kids get brought up, like... All the stuff that 's unsaid and the and the undercurrents and the arguing
2: and the fights, but yeah, at Christmas, we all loved each other. She used to pin me down, my sister and like spit in my mouth, uh, yeah. but like she loved me more than anyone's ever loved me in my life, and has mm. actually made everyone else 's love pale into comparison, yet she I had to lock her in the toilet once because she was so angry at me. And I was like, drink the toilet water and eat the soap. It's all fun and games until someone's in hospital. It's all fun and games mm-hmm. until you're in um, therapy in your 30s and you're, you're discussing why you have unhealthy relationships with men. <laughs> yeah. You're like, because like being mean to me is love.
0: <laughs> well, you say that you had no mates when you were younger, but I have heard that you actually used to put on uh, dinner parties.
2: I did, yeah, when I was older. So after the Compass incident... I was sat on my own in the playground and these two posh girls came over and they said, what? are you okay? I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, well, well, gee whiz, golly gosh, why didn't you come join us in the music room? And so for five years at the end of school, I was in the music room and just had the best time of my life. Actually found my sort of crew. Mm. It was just easier to dominate them, I'll be honest with you, because they're all nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. It is. Um <laughs> <laughs> but we ended up having dinner parties because, you know, that's what middle class people do. They have dinner yes. parties. We didn't really have them growing up. We had buffets with like roast potatoes and chicken wings and vol-au-vents, which are amazing and have yeah. their place. But I, I wa- I've always wanted to have dinner parties, you know. I And so from the age of um, 15, me and my friends were putting on three course meal dinner parties that I would chef.
0: See, so you, you chef. You chef. A dinner party? What what the hell what's what's right, I need to know the menu. Yeah. Right. I'm arriving. Yeah. I've been invited to this. The nerds in the music room have invited me for dinner.
2: Yeah. I get there, what am I having? Three fish tureen to start. Three fish tureen. Yeah. What's in that what fish? Uh mackerel trout, and salmon. Are you setting it in like a in a in like a, a jelly, a, a yeah? Jelly. It was a recipe that was in Mary Berry's
0: cookbook. Three a three fish terrine. What's your main? A roast. <laughs> 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 roast? Yeah.
2: All are like you making all of roasties it. or are you using Aunt Bessie's? Oh, I make roasties. I've been making roasties since I was like 11. What's a pudding? Uh, chocolate fondant. Like a melting, a melting centre. <gasps> a warm, yeah, just out of the oven, melted centre from scratch. <laughs> How did you pay for all this food? Did you have a Saturday job? Um, Yeah, I had loads of jobs. So I, as soon as I could work, I was working and I loved working. First job I ever had was glass cleaning at the engineer's arms in St. John's Lane in Bristol. Um, And then that turned into bar work. And I've been basically either the manager of a restaurant, the waitress of a restaurant, the bartender of a restaurant, or... A cloakroom attendant of a restaurant in all of my jobs. It's like Bar one uh, call centre. It's, it's hospitality. Room. I've been in hospitality for 16 years and I love it. Oh, there's a big crossover between
0: hospitality and entertainment. Massive. So that was what you were doing when you were at school?
2: But yeah, I was working at Asda um, with my mum were you yeah so that i had i had the glass cleaning job and then when i was old enough to get work i worked at asda um on the fish counter with my mum and i'm a trained fishmonger or I, I imagine i've forgotten it all now but they trained me and everything you worked on the fish counter at asda in bedminster
0: bristol i once went out with somebody off the fish counter at morrison's
2: <laughs> i've got to say
0: when i dated someone off a fish counter They did smell of fish.
2: But the smell, this is what people don't understand about the smell of fish. Bad fish smells bad. Fresh fish is the sweetest, most... Delicate smell. I like so my anything smelling like fresh fish. So I, um, so every Christmas I cook. Whoever's with me is a very, very lucky person because I go nuts at Christmas, and I cook. I I nearly gave my parent gout last Christmas. Like the the food, (laughs) the food we had over the months. I'd, I'd, and I planned every day. I just did something I've never done before every day, and they just got to reap the rewards of it. But one of the things I did was have like some great shellfish from this really great. It's called uh, Bristol Fish. Limited in Bedminster and Bristol. And they um and I went in and had all my shellfish from them. And when I went in and, and 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 the guy who works there, the monger, he came over to me and I smelt him and I was like, oh. Was mom. it erotic though? Well, no it <laughs> No, because that would mean that I'd want to fuck my mum and I don't um, <laughs> but the man the man the man it was a real sort of nostalgic smell that mm. sweet smell of fresh fish that he had on his on his clothes and it was very nostalgic for me because she'd come home every night smelling like that so with her tabard and her little hat on
0: Aww.
2: and then Asda made her go on the shelves but that's another story
1: and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.
0: You moved to Wales to study drama, theatre and media at the University of Glamorgan. Yep. It's while you're at uni... 2005 you find out that your sister jenna is ill yes she's having
2: seizures well she'd had one seizure by this point just one in 2005 which is in the i was in the middle i was literally in the middle of a game of zip zap boing a phone call from my brother or 17 missed phone calls actually which was a lot from him and um said jenna's in the hospital we don't know why something's wrong with her ed you need to come home and then my friend paula came and picked me up from wales and took me home and she was in the hospital and find out it's a brain tumor they do a cat scan to begin with and that's where they see that it's a brain tumor she had this like grand mal seizure on my dad for the first time randomly we don't know what a brain tumor is i'm like, a what? And that was where she asked me to start making everyone laugh because they're all looking at me like I'm about to die and it's doing my night And is exactly what she said. That's what she said to you. Yeah, and that is the reason I'm a comedian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I understand why she said that and I understand that you would be very, very good at it. But that's knackering. Having to make everybody
2: laugh during that time. I couldn't deal with tears. I had to do something. I couldn't, I can't deal, I can't do tears with my family and I can't do silence either. So the best thing to do is to just try and make people laugh and either be told off for that or have people laughing.
0: You moved to London in 2011.
2: Yep. Shortly after this, your sister dies and you've said
0: that you are an absolute mess for yeah. about three years. Yeah. But then the capitals drag community
2: <laughs> kind of envelops your life they're quite intense when they when they like you yeah. they, they they take you in you know yeah <laughs> and you are a str- they love a strong woman okay. from a working class background yeah. who have got who's got passions god the gay is gonna come for you <laughs> And if you really make it...
0: <laughs> like, you open the door and they're there. hi Hey, mate! And if they
2: really like you, eventually what they'll do is they'll dress up as you and oh, get on a stage amazing. and do an impression of you. Yeah. That's when you know you've made it. But yeah, the gays envelope, envelope, enveloped... Enveloped. Enveloped envelope to me. You were, you were living in
0: Clapton in East London with your mates, Lizzie, Jess and Babs, which <laughs> sounds like a sitcom
2: what was life like for the four of you it was gorgeous we had this great two years together it was gorgeous mm. best time I've ever lived with birds yeah. there was no there was no toxicity in our house it was really kind yeah. we had things happen to us and we got upset but we were there for each other you say there was f- there was four of you but was the other things living in the house? rats <laughs> we had rats <laughs> Really bad oh. rats. There was one, I came home one night. It was two in the morning. I'd been gigging and I came in and there was one just walking across the kitchen and I looked at him and he, and he looked at me and then he just stared at me for a moment and then he just walked backwards like he was moonwalking.
0: <laughs> you ain't <won't> seen me. <laughs> Shit, it's nothing. Comedy is not, the easiest profession to get into. So no. for about a decade, you did paid work alongside comedy. But tell us about the moment that you realised that you've made it as a comic.
2: My Amazon Prime special was pretty mega. There was a lorry outside of the Bloomsbury Theatre where I'd watch Ricky Gervais do animals. There's a lorry, there's a broadcast lorry outside. There's two of them for my show, for me, for something I came up with in my head. And it was amazing. And it was everything nice that I, everything I wanted in all in one place at the same time. All decisions I'd made came together in into this thing that has been the most successful thing I've ever done. I've had two hundred million views on the internet. The number. It means a lot to you, doesn't it? That yeah. number. Yeah, two hundred million.
0: I was I had no friends. <laughs> I was gonna say it's not bad for one of the music
2: room nerds. <laughs> I had no mates. And that, and the other thing that happened recently was I went from feeling very much like I was the uncoolest person in Bristol and then this year I was voted as Bristol's most coolest person. Holy shit. Mad. I love your face when you say that. <laughs> Bristol's coolest, coolest person.
0: I beat Banksy. He must Banksy! Be, he must be fucking livid. Have gone on to host two brilliant TV shows all about food, snack masters and crazy delicious. Yeah. So was working
2: in food programming, was that a conscious decision? I want to do more of it. Like I I I want to be on if my f- if my life could be entertaining people and food at the same time. I mean, having a TV show, which is about me having a dinner party, is probably what I want to end up doing in my life. Is just having, you know, like my 18-seater table full up, me cooking for them, uh, interesting conversations happening. I love this dinner party theme that
0: keeps going through your life. That's your happiness, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Let's talk about Crazy Delicious. <laughs> you got to work with Heston Blumenthal. He's often regarded as one of the best chefs of all time. How does working with this acclaimed culinary
2: mind change the way you eat? Changed everything. He taught me all about separating flavors in my head. Learning that the best meal you can eat often will have the five flavor profiles that you need, so salt, sugar, acid, heat and umami. Umami. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can balance all of those flavors in one meal, you've got yourself a pretty lovely meal. And I think as someone who grew up eating spam and chips and egg, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I um once I I learned that it really helped my cooking because I just make sure all of those things are available in my savory dishes, especially. But even even puddings and stuff, like learning how to learning that if you want to make a pudding lighter, stick some zest like you know, have some citrus in it. Yes. So it'll help it help being able to eat it. But he did that. He also Oh, he did this other thing, which is really perfect for this podcast. He taught me about why, and he showed me scientifically, why my mum's cooking is better than anyone else's cooking. He said, the reason your mum's cooking is so much better than my cooking is he says, I'm never going to make you feel mm-hmm. or change your brain in the way you feel when you are around your parents. Yeah.
0: I think women can feel under pressure to look a certain way. In order to eat certain things. Working in food telly, do you see yourself as changing the
2: dial on women and food and an image, body image? Well, I think I'll be honest with you, Grace, I am sat in front I'm sat in front of the woman who has changed what it's like you were one of the first people to ever tell women it was okay to eat, and it was okay to enjoy your food. So I just feel like I'm taking I'm my oh, darling. <laughs> I feel like I'm just carrying on. That's all I feel like I'm doing, which is encouraging people to have a healthy relationship with their food and not feel like you know f- not feel bad for wanting to eat something or yeah. not feeling bad for comfort eating. I know, like, I know, I know. Just what? So what? That I eat to to make myself feel better about the terrible things that have happened in my life so what at least I'm not hurting people at least I'm not taking it out on people so what I want to eat spam and chips and egg comfort eating is so important and it's and we're told by society especially as women that we need to focus on the way that we look because if we change the way we look we're not worth being cared about and, we're, and that's drummed into us our whole lives. And I feel like I've been put on this planet to make women feel better about their eating and their bodies. Because if I can be successful and I get fatter, then everything anyone's ever learned about the way that they look is bollocks. The bad thoughts thing doesn't take over my life. I don't allow it to... Aff- I'm not a saint... But I don't allow the bad thoughts to affect me. So if I get upset about being single, I know I go and look at my diary. I see one of my periods coming. I don't trust it. <laughs> I'd I'd had this realization over lockdown. Shall I tell you what happened? Go on. It was really romantic. But my whole life is, I love romance. I was at my desk, I was writing, I'm writing a series about my my childhood and my sister. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great? I was listening, basically, I got the internet once to put together their favourite classical music. So it's called The Internet's Favourite Classical Music. It's a playlist on Spotify and people can add their own favourite pieces of classical music. And so I had that on play. I had it on repeat and it was just shuffling around. And this piece of music comes on by Wagner, which is the um, uh, act three, Tristan and Isolde. It's, It's part three at the very end. And it's the same music that's at the end of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet when they go back into the water at the very end. And it's this gorgeous swelling piece of music from Tristan and Isolde. It's a version of Romeo and Juliet, but isn't Romeo and Juliet. I'm listening to that piece of music and I'm writing and I just look out the window and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be just epic? to have like a working class person just die in the arms of someone she loves. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write the epic love story of like, but a working class but like, and have it set to classical music. And I just had this flurry of inspiration. So I called up my script editor at probably quite an, in, an inappropriate time of the day. And I um, phoned her up and I was like, babes, I've worked it out. I'm going to have the older sister die in the arms of someone she loves. And she said to me, Oh, you mean her sister?
0: Yeah.
2: And I was like, What? And she and, um, and she'd spotted in the time that we'd spent together with me talking about my childhood that actually Jenna loved me very much. And she yeah. was the only person that I never sort of slagged off for doing stuff wrong. And she sort of spotted it. And it was the first time anyone has ever called something out to me yeah. that I had just because I've spent like 10 years slagging her off on stage and like doing jokes about her and stuff about how rough she was and how many fags yeah. she smoked but that's because she's your sister and you can it's, it's great taking the piss out of your siblings it's the best
0: earlier this year you were a participant on Strictly Come Dancing what on earth
2: was that like? So intense. (laughs) Uh, uh, The most incredible thing I've ever done. Yeah. Also, a couple of times I've thought to myself, what the hell am I doing to myself? Yeah. They do look after you. Do they watch what you eat
0: when you're there? Do they try? No. And know? Do
2: they this, try? And- no. They no. don't care about any of that. This whole idea. People are, people, do you know what? I had friends of mine worried about, worried that I wouldn't be able to cope with it before I'd even started. It's not as intense as people think it is. Like, because you look at the dancers on the show and they're so well built and they dance so well. It's not. It is intense, like don't get me wrong, you're dancing every day, but you yeah. have breaks, like yeah. you don't, they don't get you in at eight and finish at six and you don't get to have a water or a fag or a coffee or some food or lunch so the yeah. so the dancers all you were all the girls you all you were all eating everyone eats everyone everyone relaxes there's gins and tonics it's it's chilled we we ate we did eat all eat together, it was gorgeous last year,
0: you moved back to Bristol. Yes. You've done the thing that so many dream of, returning home from the big city, an actual bona fide star, but you've moved back in with your parents whilst renovating your house. Do your parents allow you to be a celebrity or do they uh, give you a bollocking if you don't put your bowl in the dishwasher? Yeah, I'm Um, exactly
2: the same. I am 16 And they're annoying and I am just not doing what they ask. But what was interesting is I've worked out what makes my mum happy is me just making my bed in the morning. That's it. That's all she wanted when I was growing up. Yeah. They just want you to bring your cups down from the bedroom and make your bed. She wants me to move out, I'm going to be honest. That's what she wants. She's ready for you to go. Yeah, they're really, really trying to fast track the house at the moment.
0: (laughs) That's old man.
2: (laughs) she ringing up the building project, trying to project manage it. My poor father, who's project managing this whole thing, he has to, like, sort of translate things from me. Like, he's like, what do you want your room to look like? And I went, "Mm, imagine you're sleeping on a cloud. And then he's got to translate that to builders who wear Bristol Rovers football shirts. You started your comedy career on advice from your sister. It's led
0: to you dancing on national telly. Just like the pair of you did together, all those years ago. What do you think she'd make of it all?
2: I think she'd have enjoyed her own little bit of fame that she'd got from it because I know all my family enjoy that. That my dad's brothers, my dad's brothers and sister, my mum's sisters, they all have their own little bit of fame from me, which is quite sweet in their own little worlds. I love that side of it. She'd be really happy for me, but she'd also be dead jealous. That's just a fact. She was a great singer. She was going to be a dancer. She said, she said to me once, you're going to just have to do it for the both of us. And are you? Yeah, I'm smashing it.
0: Jade Adams, thank you for comfort eating with me. My pleasure. I've got to say, though, you were so bloody good at getting that food down you as you spoke. Literally, you were talking, you were giving these beautiful, eloquent answers, shoving bits of spam into your mouth, <laughs> and then you'd go... Oh, this episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Jack Claremont. The executive producer is Lucy Greenwell. The music was written by Axel Cocutier. Mixing and sound design was by Alice Boyd. If you like Comfort Eating, then please go and leave us a review, and you can follow or subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And use the hashtag Comfort Eating Pod get in touch about the podcast or share your own comfort eating delights.
1: This is The Guardian. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med.